Welcome to the Bucky Cast. This is John along with Rob. We're coming to you here at the end of June, almost the end of June. Uh, Fourth of July is fast approaching. Official visit time is almost over. It's deep. We're in summer now. We're in summer. It's time to go into hibernation until fall camp. Although we'll still be here with stuff to say. I don't know why. How are you doing today, Rob? Doing all right. It's uh, been so hot, I decided to move my home office down into the basement. So we'll see if that uh, cools things down or keeps let's, me heated up, given how our recruiting is going. Let's let's face it. It's everything's better off when it's done in the basement, including a podcast. <laughs> so anyway, um, you drinking anything tonight? I am. I'm looking at a uh, Stevens Point Brewery Drop Dead Blonde Refreshing Ale. Good old blonde ale. That's a summertime beer. Rob is showing it to me now. You can't see this at home, listeners. But yes, he does, in fact, have a Point beer. Um, I went, UW Stevens Point was my alma mater, uh, full disclosure. I uh, pounded down a lot of Point Special in my time. They didn't have fancy beers like a blonde ale back in the 90s. It was all Point Special and Point Amber, and you were lucky if you could find Point Amber. So it's a legendary blue bullet Point Special. <sighs> Seemed to go through you without stopping at any point. I myself am drinking out of New Glarus Brewing Company. It's their seasonal for the summertime, totally naked which is just, um, as far as I can tell, really just sort of a, a summer golden lager. Uh, it's beer. That's the best way I can put it. It tastes like any, any standard lager. It obviously tastes better than your standard Bud and Miller. Uh, but it's, there's, nothing, there's nothing too complicated with Totally Naked. So it makes for good beer. We don't want to alienate the good people at New Glarus Brewing Company who make our, our standard spotted cow. We don't want any embargoes on the Bucky cast or anything like that for beer. God knows how we'd survive that. You can't see him, but he is drinking it totally naked as well. So, <laughs> yes, that uh, no, we're, we've already lost most of our audience right there. We just lost most of our audience. Oh, God. There is Badger news going on. There is Badger news. Rob, we've gotten a few commits, a few football commits. Take it away. Yeah, we are uh, shoring up our backfield in the defense with uh, A.J. Tisdale and Jace Arnold both committing. Jace Arnold, of course, being the uh, quote-unquote premier defensive back. I believe uh, I've seen items saying that he's the second-highest rated defensive back we've ever taken. Again, in the era of the 247 composite slash rivals, or not rivals, I'm sorry, uh, scout composite, so... Yep. And, it, you know, going back to a discussion we had on him when he on his visit weekend or his first visit weekend, uh, he's he's again, I think, five ten, five nine, five ten. So what we're really hoping for here is the speed. But we got him. So we pulled him out of Georgia. So let's see how that speed can help us on the defensive uh, backfield. Yeah, dude is super fast. Um, he, we, I watched his huddle film and the defensive back stuff was, it it was okay. Um, he's not afraid to make contact. 
But the thing that really stood out was his ability to return kicks and punts. I mean, dude was just red hot returning stuff all the way. Yeah, with Tretch also, uh, you know, the third one we didn't talk about is Tretch. So I guess we'll see a little competition between Jace and Tretch Kekahuna as who's going to be returning those those punts and kicks because Tretch has got some speed as well. Yes, Tretch Kekahuna is the other commit that Wisconsin got in the last week. He obviously, we've talked about him before. We don't need to talk any more about him. He's a slot receiver coming to us from the great state of Hawaii, powerhouse St. Louis High School. And he is, you know, he, he's an athletic, quick dude, got pretty good speed. So does Arnold. Uh, the third commit, A.J. Tisdell, who's also a cornerback. Yes, we pulled him out of College Station, right, uh, right out of tech, under from Texas A&M's nose. And he's more of a technique corner. He doesn't have that blazing speed that Arnold's got. But again, a smaller cornerback, 5'10". Wisconsin seems to wind up with a lot of 5'10 cornerbacks. That just seems to be our way. We're we're not going for size. We're going for quality here, as I like to say. Uh, So, yeah, Wisconsin nailing down three more commits. They're up to 11 now in the 2023 class. Um, and we always use the 247 composite when we're talking about recruiting classes right now at this early, early stage, um, you know, eight months before the final signing day, Wisconsin's ranked 24th in the country. In fact, of the top 20, I think it's 28 teams in the country uh, in terms of recruiting classes, the Big Ten has eight of them. It's either eight or nine but it's a sizable amount. So the big 10 sort of cleaning up and recruiting right now, we'll see if that continues, but for now, yeah, that's, that's where we're sitting with the 2023 class. There's obviously still more players out there. Wisconsin doesn't have any more official visits scheduled for this summer. So it looks like any other official visits are going to come in the fall. If they come at all, we have to wait and see now who is who is going to pull the trigger from amongst Tackett Curtis, Joe Crocker, Michael Gardner, or McKeel. Yeah, um, there's a host of other players who were in for official visits who haven't committed anywhere yet. Most of them are finishing up their last official visit this weekend, and then we expect to see some decisions made. So we've, that heard, is our... we've heard decisions coming anywhere on the 30th of July all the way yep. to uh, the beginning of the season next next season. Your we favorite really Ashton don't. Sanders is keeps moving his date. <laughs> <laughs> we, we folks, we really don't know when any of them are going to commit. That's that's, and that's fine. They're, they're kids. We'll let them enjoy this time in the sun. Cause this, for a lot of kids, this is the only time they get where they're like have national attention on them. So it's all good. It's all good. Take your time recruits. Take your time. But pick Wisconsin. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to. We we can't officially endorse. Well, we could. We're fans. We can say whatever we want. I just realized that. Pick Wisconsin. All of you, come to Wisconsin. It's a wonderful for, state. For those of you keeping score, I was two of four on Monday. I'm three oh, of four God's now. for God's sake. And uh, once Jamal <sighs> Howard finally, for some reason, gets his visit to Illinois done, well, I'll be four of four, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know that Jamel Howard's going to take a visit to Illinois, but we'll see. We'll see. 
if he if if rob winds up four for four folks it's going to be infuriating uh because he'll never he'll never stop talking about it um he'll use that as the counterpoint last year um in previous circumstances, I had predicted on opening weekend, nine out of 10 players would commit to Wisconsin. And I think it was closer to three. So I'm not a good prognosticator. Rob apparently is. And uh, I, I don't know where to go with that. If, if I have to turn to him for a prediction every time, this show is going to get very tedious. Let's Can't just wait until the betting Rob. starts in the fall. <laughs> We're going to start a betting line for Rob. Um, quick volleyball note, Wisconsin this week, uh, got actually a big commit in women's volleyball, uh, Charlie Fearbringer from Hermosa beach, California committed to the class of 2024. Uh, Charlie is the number one setter in the class of 2024 and the number two recruit overall currently, uh, I believe according to ABCA, uh, don't quote me on that one. Cause I don't know where the rankings come from. We're still, we're still acclimating ourselves to women's volleyball, um, recruiting rankings. Cause they're sort of in out of the way places, but I believe she, uh, in an article from, or a tweet from the state journal, they had mentioned that she was the number one, uh, setter in the country. And she's also like number two in the country. So that's like a huge deal for the Badgers as Kelly Sheffield continues to show that he has turned Wisconsin into an Alabama style school, at least in women's volleyball. So that's got a good pedigree too. her dad played at Stanford. Her mom played at Long Beach state and her her dad coached uh, the men's national team, assistant coach, the men's national team. And her mom coaches, I think UCLA coaches for UCLA as well. So a lot of pedigree there. And of course, Feuerbringer for you German speakers in Wisconsin is the Firebringer. So, oh yeah. See her bring the fire to the team. Let's go. Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to have her, we're going to have the Polish hammer, Yulia Orzhol. Ah, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Can't wait for volleyball season. The Bucky cast might be there at that game at the Cole Center just to see, because that looks to be pretty cool. Yep. Anyway, uh, well, we've disposed with what little football news we have. We do have one other, I'm sorry, we do have one other recruiting note from the class of 2024. The Badgers, amongst a couple of offers they sent out this week, did offer linebacker Sam Piloff out of Middleton High School, which is, you know, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Camp Randall Stadium. You can probably hear the games on a, on a clear night. Uh Peeloff is already, there's, there's other uh, big schools sniffing around him. So Peeloff looks like a, he's going to be an edge outside linebacker prospect. Uh, this is one Wisconsin is going to have to um, lock down if they want to continue to be considered to have a wall around the state of Wisconsin. One of many 2024 recruits that uh, the Badgers need to bring in from in-state. <sighs> if only they would start offering more of them scholarships. But, you know, that's a uh, that's a different rant for a different time, maybe in the same podcast. I don't know. I don't know. We don't have a lot of news to cover. So finally, one last note uh, regarding the Badgers. We have um, Johnny Davis. Uh, The NBA draft is um, well, we're recording on a Wednesday night. It's tomorrow night. Uh, Johnny could go anywhere 
from, you know, number eight to number 16 through the draft. That's been the general range he's fallen into. Hopefully he doesn't fall out of that. He was considered, he's been considered a lottery pick for most of the uh, NBA draft uh, prognosticators. Rob, what do you think? Where does he fall? And who does he fall to? Yeah, this is a tough one because he's been slotted in that range. However, if you read a lot of the articles that the experts are putting out there, uh, they either love him or they think he's not worth uh, going in the top, you know, 24 picks. So everyone talks about his shooting, his three-point shooting, but at the same time, they talk about his temperament, his drive. So I think he's either going to hang around around the 10-11 spot, or I think he's going to drop all the way down to probably 23-24. So this this is going to be this is going to be a very interesting night. I'm I'm really looking forward for for one of the few times ever to watch the NBA draft just to see what's going to happen with him because of the very the the, the huge variance in reporting that I've seen from the experts evaluating his game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, we know Jaden Ivey is probably going to be a top five or six player. And I, I kind of want to see, uh, you know, Johnny Davis get picked a little bit after him, breeze by and give him the finger just because he beat him a couple times. And maybe make the, maybe make the uh, choke symbol. I don't know. <laughs> We're, I'm vindictive. We can dream. Tonight. We can dream. <laughs> I'm, I'm vindictive tonight. I want to, I want to throw shade at all sorts of people, but um, no, it'll be, I I'm, I'm really curious to see if he falls past the eight through 10 slot uh, where he's going to wind up because after that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're wandering into being out of the draft lottery and losing millions and millions of dollars and winding up on a playoff team. That's already got good players ahead of you. Uh, and that's not a situation I think Johnny Davis wants to find himself in is having to, to spend time on the bench behind someone else. So hopefully he's going to go in the top 10. If he doesn't go in the top 10, maybe the top 15, anything after that. And it's going to be a massive disappointment, I think, to Badger fans in general who have watched his game all year long. Um, Davis can do most anything you ask him to do. He just needs a little more polish. So we'll see what yeah. happens with that. And, you know, it's a, it's a, I was kind of, I was so excited when uh, Decker and, and, um, wow. <laughs> Kaminsky? Kaminsky. Kaminsky. There we when, go. Uh, when, De- <laughs> when Decker and Kaminsky went, uh, but the problem is when you go high, you're obviously going to a team that's not that good. But if there isn't the right, team in place a team i don't mean the players i mean leadership to turn the 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 players around and the coaching around then you kind of get lost in the shuffle so part of me wants him to go high because i think he deserves to go high but the other part of me wants him to drop a little bit to a team where he's going to be able to be more successful in his play and 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 be a star and stick around a little bit longer so i don't know Fair enough. Fair enough. That folks, that's really all the, all the strictly badger news we have for the show. Like I said, it's not the busy time is now over the first three weeks of official visits are done in June. 
um, we're really sort of going to, we're in a coasting mode until, you know, the week before summer camp starts at the end of July, beginning of August. So we're going to mix things up a little bit here on the show when we come back. We're going to pick some topics in, uh, in college sports in general. And uh, maybe one topic, maybe two, depending on how, how good we feel about this. And just, um, just, just let, the, let the show flow. We're just going to freestyle. We're going to freestyle it. We're going to go commando on the show. Uh, so we'll see you in a moment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Bucky cast. It's John and Rob. By the way, no Will this week. He is traveling and it's really hard to podcast when you're, you know, on a bus or a plane or having dinner with your relatives. So Will's not gone. Nobody panic. I know Will is the glue that's holding the show together, but um, he will be back. He'll return. We're going to do a little segment. Uh, we're going to rate the big 10 head coaches we're going to give them a letter grade for each one i you know we we've got nothing else to discuss let's let's throw shots here at the uh rest of the big 10 if we may uh rob i'm gonna start off we're gonna start all the way out in the east with rutgers and greg shiano thanks shiano i think again we're flying off the top of the of our heads here, but I'm going to give Greg Schiano a, I'm going to give him a B. I think that he's doing a good job uh, first couple of years back in terms of recruiting and getting the team to play a little bit better. But honestly, if we don't see some on the field, significant improvement this year, then uh, I'm going to drop that to a C. So that's where I'm going to stick with him. Mm. Rutgers is the hardest job in the big 10 period. This is Rutgers is a program that fit way better in the big East than it does in the Big Ten. Uh, it feels just kind of lost, you know, sort of out there, it's sort of out there on the periphery. Uh, Shiano's the only head coach that I can remember, and I've been following college football for like 35 years. Uh, he's the only head coach I can remember who had any sort of real success at Rutgers. And um, he, you know, he's being asked to climb out of a mountainous hole that Chris Ash dug for him. Uh, that team was when he his first team was just completely composed of transfers from other schools and you know the remnants of Chris Ash's teams, which were terrible. So I'm not expecting him to make a bowl game this year. That would be that would be like the highest echelon they could get to. So I'm going to give him a B for now. Actually, I'm going to give him a B plus because he's definitely improved their recruiting over where they were. He's kept some New Jersey kids in New Jersey who were just flooding out of the state under the previous coaching regime. Uh, I would give him like four or five more years before I would expect any sort of solid result. And not four or five more years. I'm sorry, four or five years in before I would expect really, really solid results. But, other than um, other than recovering from Ash, what do you think the the pitfalls are with Rutgers. What do you think is, is the hardest thing about it's that? Rutgers? It's a <laughs> hole. Have you ever, have you been to Piscataway? I don't know the area. I've never, I don't know the area. So I've never, I'm not sure. There, it it's, it, uh, Northern New Jersey and central New Jersey are just demilitarized zones. I, you know, <laughs> I, I hate to say it. Uh, they, I, I drove through them a couple times and there was no point in that area where I was like, let's just stop and then get out get out of the car and, and, you know, absorb everything. You always just were like, let's just keep driving. 
So just the simple ability to keep New Jersey kids in that place is, is huge. And if he can achieve any success and get that recruiting really flowing from Florida, because he was getting a lot of Florida kids in his last round at Rutgers, um, he's got a shot. You know, he's just got to keep working that transfer portal. Uh, next up on our list out east, uh, we travel over to Maryland and Mike Loxley. This is a tough one to grade. Uh, Rob, what are you going to give him? Yeah, I, I know that we talk about benefit of the doubt and everything, but I, I got to tell you, I, I, I don't see that program really advancing uh, much further than, than where they've achieved so far. I, I, think, I think he's probably got a couple more years left and he's going to get fired. It's really hard to say that, um, yeah, there's, there's, much, um, there's much progress going on. Yeah. Over at over in Maryland, because quite frankly, it's Maryland. I mean, they they weren't a football powerhouse before. The only reason they're in the Big Ten is because it gets the Big Ten into that, you know, DMV area. Yeah. Um, everybody wants to have those DC and Northern Virginia and uh, Baltimore uh, recruiting grounds open. Um, I although I think that's complete crap because all that ever comes out of there are players who either go to Ohio State, Penn State, or, you know, somewhere, somewhere in the ACC or SEC. I don't know how, I don't think Wisconsin's had any success recruiting out of the DMV at all, but Mike Loxley's done good with what he had. I mean, again, Maryland was at the bottom of the big 10, um, just a shade above Rutgers just a couple of years ago. And he's actually pulled in some pretty decent recruits. Now, half those recruits have transferred out, but he's still got Rakeem Jarrett. They have a really dangerous receiving core. And with Talia Tagovailoa, um, they're a dangerous team, and he's at least got their offense going. Their defense is still terrible, but at least their offense works. And God God bless his heart for beating Minnesota back in 2020. That was an absolute uh, ball-crushing defeat for the Gophers. So I'm going to give him a C plus because he has at least gotten into a bowl game and he's made them competitive again. But like you, I think that they've reached their ceiling in just like one or two years of substandard results. And he's probably going to be out of there. He did not have any success in New Mexico when he was the head coach there. He's pretty much just a recruiting guy, but we'll see if he can make it work. He may defy all of our expectations. Um, next up is the, uh, the middle of Pennsylvania, good old happy Valley, Penn state. What, uh, what do you think of James Franklin, Rob? Uh, let's see if I can separate an analysis from my personal opinion here. (laughs) Just give us all of it. Just give us, give us all. I, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of James Franklin. I, I don't like the way he recruits. Uh, I'm not a big fan of stories I've heard about his coaching style. I think that um, he's coasting off of his past. I don't think he has the ability to take Penn State to where they want Penn State to be. I think he's uh, probably going to end up leaving within the next five years, um, either on his own or by uh, Penn State's choice, and he'll get picked up somewhere else. But I don't think he's going to last there at Penn State because I don't see them. I don't see them competing with Ohio State or, or even Michigan or Michigan State soon. So 
I could easily see James Franklin leaving in the next two years for a school in like, say the SEC or the ACC that yep. horrendously yep. overpays him. I'm talking like more money than Mel Tucker, who we'll get to in a moment. Yep. Um, James Franklin has grotesquely, since he won the 2016 Big Ten Championship, he has grotesquely underachieved at Penn State. Uh, I still remember in 2019 their loss in the uh, in uh, TCF Bank Stadium to Minnesota, where Antoine Winfield by himself beat the Penn State Nittany Lions. <laughs> uh, they obviously I have the hatred for the fact that due to Wisconsin's own screw-ups, they did not beat the holy hell out of them last year, yep. which they could easily yep. have done if Graham Mertz knew how to hand off a football in that first game of the year. But he didn't, and we lost to them. I, I think Penn State is the biggest paper tiger in the East right now. I would give uh, James Franklin a C, wandering towards a C minus. Like you said, I think yep. he lived off of what he did at Vanderbilt. Which, yep. mind you, if I was grading him at Vanderbilt, it'd be like an A+. plus. Oh, my God, you got Vanderbilt to nine wins. That's incredible. That's unheard of. So, uh, but at Penn State, I think he's just, he's a guy who rose to the level of his incompetence. Yep. Moving on eastward, we come to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and everybody's crazy, crazy as a road lizard coach uh jim harbaugh oh rob what what do we what do we grade jim good old <laughs> good old sleepover jim what do we rate him this this would have been easier if we did this last year uh <laughs> last year i def, i definitely would have said you know a c c minus but given his given their year last year i think i have to go with either a b minus or a c plus here i think that i think he was vastly overrated coming in uh which i i honestly didn't expect given his performance at stanford and and in the pros but uh he he was just a sideshow for his first couple of years here here and i think he's quieted down i think he's hired some good assistant coaches and i think that's what's saving him right now is that maybe he's not making himself uh on the put not putting himself on the pedestal and putting himself in the limelight and that's allowing his assistant coaches to kind of save his butt a little bit. Uh, so I, I'm going to go with a B minus or a C plus here. I'm going to, I'm, I'll give him a B minus just because um, I, I don't think he was as bad as those first few years showed, but I don't think he's as good as last year. That was sort of a, a set of fortuitous circumstances and both the coordinators he had last year are gone. Uh, Michigan fans will argue vociferously that the guys who are the cord who are the offensive coordinators now, yeah. Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss, were the real yep. powers behind the throne on offense. So we're going to find out. But um, I, you know, we'll. I don't know if Michigan was an illusion last year or not. We're going to find out right. one way or the other. But right now they're sort of in the same. How weird is it that Jim Harbaugh had his great success at Stanford, which is like a, another high academic school where you don't expect a ton of success, and he had huge success yeah. at Stanford, just like James Franklin did at Vanderbilt. And now you know he just hasn't had that same amount of success in his current job. Yeah. Um. Moving on to the East and North, we have East Lansing and Michigan State, where everyone's favorite ex-Badger, Mel Tucker, has just, I, I don't know how he did it, but he has cashed in like one of the biggest contracts in college football coaching history. 
Rob, does he deserve that contract? Oh, again, if this was last year, I would definitely say no. And, uh, and you know, even though he's uh, taken the Wisconsin coaches and, of course, our, our vaunted recruiting department uh, to Michigan State with him. But uh, I, I was impressed with Michigan State's performance last year. But again, does one year a, a champion make? I don't think so. So we'll see. Well, what it didn't even make him a champion year. last year. So I mean, let's... <laughs> Let's put this semi champion, Michigan State style champion. Uh, but but we'll see. We'll see how he does this year. I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give him a solid B for for what he's done. Uh, maybe even a B plus. But I I think proof is going to be in the pudding and see how this continues going forward. How long can Mel Tucker keep living off of uh, the transfer portal? I think is the big question because he has really used it in these first three off seasons he's had. I mean, he's just sucking in players from other teams left and right. Uh, Michigan state has the backing of of billions of dollars now. So they're Mm -hmm. sort of like Oregon East. Uh, They, they, they can just pay out obscene amounts of money for anything they want at this point. And I don't know how much that reflects on Mel Tucker's coaching ability or not when you can just, point to guys and say, Hey, come here, we'll give you some NIL money. Uh, yeah. They just, they just flow in there. It's going to be a huge grudge match when Wisconsin goes to East Lansing, Michigan state and Wisconsin had a, a huge, um, a huge rivalry just a decade ago. And since then it's pretty much been all Wisconsin, but last year he broke through with that 11 and two record. I'm going to give him a, a B because I just, I don't know if that was an illusion based off of Kenneth Walker, who had, yeah. frankly, a, a, a Heisman Trophy consideration worthy season last year. We'll see what they can do with Jarek Broussard and uh, our, our very own Jalen Berger, who was dismissed from the team and is now over there and looked to be the number one running back until they decided to pluck Jarek Broussard out of Colorado. Yeah. So we'll see if they can replicate that running game. If they can, hey, the, the sky's the limit. If they can't, then Michigan State might come crashing down to earth again a little bit. Uh, going to the south then, and Ohio State, a Ryan Day, I, I mean, obviously he gets an A. I, I don't think you can give Ryan Day anything less than an A. Other than he, The only thing keeping him from an A-plus is the fact that he's not won a national championship. Yeah. So, I, uh, Rob, do you agree or? I, I agree. I mean, I I was hoping, praying that there was going to be a drop off, but uh, he, nope. he's he's done a good job. Yeah. If anything, they're even more dangerous. Uh, wide receivers coach <laughs> Brian Hartline is evidently, I don't know what he does. He's got to have some powers of hypnosis because they have had six <laughs> five-star wide receivers commit in the last four years. And yeah. it's a potent passing game in part because they have such great wide receivers. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be their number one wideout and probably a top 10 NFL draft pick this year. And they've just yeah. got, you know, they've got a bunch of guys left in the wings who are like, Hey, we're all five stars too. Uh, they just accumulate receivers at an insane rate. And as long as that offense has that great passing game, it doesn't really matter. They, they also have a five-star running back in Travion Henderson, but it doesn't really seem to matter as long as they can find a quarterback who can sling it down the field They've got the receivers to do whatever they want. Their defense has been terrible the last two years, and yet they've still, yeah. you know, they won the Big Ten and they also won a Rose Bowl last year. 
I think I think that's I think you're absolutely right. That's the key. I think that's why we're looking at some of these faster uh, defensive backs is is that I think we can with our linebacker core and even our our defensive line we can handle the their run game, but man, that passing game we really need our defensive backs to be able to hang with them. We now that we're getting more speed, but I, I'm still I'm still scared of the height. So we'll see. Yep. Finally, in, in the Big Ten East, we move uh, westward to Bloomington, Indiana, which if you've ever visited, it is really hard to get to. Uh, and Tom Allen. Tom Allen is the Big Ten East's version of P.J. Fleck. Very energetic. He's somewhat less annoying, though, mainly because it's Indiana. Um, <laughs> what can you say? This is another grade that up until last year, you know, was was fairly easy to call. And now after last year's debacle of a season, um, Rob, what do you think? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think just like you said with BJ Flag, I think that Tom Allen is like a, uh, you know, a fancy shiny car, but uh, the motor maybe isn't the best inside of it. So I think that I think that last year was was an anomaly. And I think what we're going to see is they're going to fall back a little bit, uh, maybe not as far back as they were before. So I'm going to go ahead and give them a, a B, but I think that, I think that a lot of last year was show and, and honestly, you mean 2020, every, you mean 2020. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And last and year just, was, a, and just, last year was a crap show. They couldn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. they got yeah. blown out by Iowa and things didn't get any yep. better after that. And, and that's what I'm saying. I think, I think, you know, the 2020 was a, uh, was a, everything happened to go right for Indiana and that's the highest they got to. So <laughs> gave me one of my most beautiful football moments when, uh, when Michael Penix jr. Maybe yeah. scored a touchdown <laughs> by the slimmest of margins and left Penn state fans aghast, um, days and days of message board glee watching them, you know, melt down over that one play. But uh, Tom Allen, we just, we don't know enough about Tom Allen. I'll give him a B just because, you know, honestly, he made Indiana competitive again. Yeah. And Wisconsin had a long winning streak against Indiana that they busted up in 2020 at Camp Randall, no less. Uh, the same yeah. stadium where I watched them get obliterated 83 to 20, you know, not 10 years ago. So, yeah, I have to I have to give him kudos for that. Now, whether that success is going to be sustained, I don't know. We'll have to see if he can turn it around recruiting wise and turn it around on offense because their offense was god awful and they had all sorts of playmakers last year that they don't have this year. Yeah. All right. Going over to the Big Ten West, we'll try and go through these quickly. Uh, we'll start way out in the West with Scott Frost at Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, yeah, I really hope we go, don't pay uh, for giving this grade this year. But up till now, <laughs> what do you want to say, Rob? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go F with Scott Frost. I think that the savior, <laughs> uh, the savior of all is um, can't recruit. He uh, hasn't done well coaching and uh, his players aren't playing hard for him. So I just I don't I, I, all, all around. It's not a good performance for a head coach. 
God, I feel bad. I, I honestly, and I didn't think this was possible. I feel bad for Nebraska fans. I mean, they don't, <laughs> they, they really don't deserve this. They, they deserved a little bit of a, you know, okay, fine. You're turning in eight, nine win seasons. They don't deserve five straight losing seasons. That's yeah. awful. Yeah. Especially at a school like Nebraska, you should be able to walk on the field at Nebraska and not know anything about coaching and come to like a seven and six record or something like that. Scott yeah. Frost has been a disaster. Yep. Uh, I'll give him a D minus just because he, he fired his offensive staff finally and said, I got to bring in some people <laughs> who actually know how to coach. Cause up until now they haven't gotten anything out of anybody. And it's going to make, I, I will honestly get a little bit of, um, of joy. If Adrian Martinez blows it out of the water at Kansas state next year or this upcoming <laughs> season, because yeah, you know, Adrian Martinez was like a generational weapon and they couldn't, ever make him work uh he just turned the ball over too much and made bad decisions he could have been a great quarterback um anyway so what yeah we're it's it's a low grade folks it's a low grade uh we'll work our way northwards to west lafayette and purdue and jeff brahm what's your uh, grade for jeff oh i'm gonna have to go with i'm gonna give him a b b plus um, I think he's a good coach. I think his performance at Purdue has been a little overrated. I think he should have jumped at the chance he had a couple years ago with going to another team and getting a big payday because I don't think he's going to have a sustained high level level of performance continuing at Purdue. I'm going to give Jeff Brom a B minus just because I think that considering the depths where they had sunk to were just, I mean, we're, it wasn't, it wasn't Greg Schiano taking over at Rutgers, but it was near that. Uh, yeah. The Daryl Hazel years at Purdue were just, just disastrous. And that program got sunk into the earth essentially. And Jeff Brom sort of rebuilt it. Now they're an actual contender in the Big Ten West, which feels weird to say because Wisconsin's beaten them, I think, what, 14 straight times, <laughs> something like that. They haven't yeah. won since since Kyle Orton was the quarterback. And Kyle Orton's retired. Yep. <laughs> oh. Yep. Um, I think Jeff Brom is probably in line if, if Scott Satterfield has another bad year at Louisville, uh, he may very well jump on the opportunity to take over the Louisville head coaching job this time because Louisville's flush with cash and he's got a much better recruiting base to go off of. Purdue's just a hard place to win a lot of football at. Yeah. And I think Jeff Brom's accomplished enough. He got them to nine wins last year, which I think is utterly miraculous considering where they were. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I have to give him a solid grade. He's done actually a really solid job. Uh, we'll move northward again to uh, Champaign, Illinois, and good old Coach Burt, um, Brett Bielma, BB. So far, he's only got one year at Illinois, short sample size, small sample size, I should say. Rob, what do you think? I am... I'm going to go with a C and I'm going to go with the C again, because he's only got one year. We're going to have to look at, uh, you know, where he came from and uh, what he did at Arkansas. Um, Oh my God. You're holding Arkansas against him. I am going to hold Arkansas against him. That was, (laughs) that was ridiculous. Uh, And then 
I think that I think he's doing okay on the recruiting front, but I think he's still losing too many of the Illinois kids to other schools. So I think that right now I'm going to give him a C, C plus even, uh, but I, I don't think that the performance so far is going to get Illinois where they want to be. Outside of one year under Ron Zook, um, Illinois has been mediocre to bad for 20 years. And even prior to that, they won the Big Ten title, I think, in 2001. And then that was preceded by about a decade of, of, of decent to mediocre play. So Illinois is not exactly a football powerhouse. I think BB needs time. He certainly can get to the point where he's at least pulling in a, a decent amount of prospects in the state. Um, right now, the other schools in the Big Ten West and the big three of Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, they're feasting off of the Chicago area. Yep. And yep. he's got to start locking that down a little bit more. Right now, he's being out-recruited by Northwestern, and that should never, ever happen to exactly. a public institution. But um, anyway, Illinois as a flagship school, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and give him a C plus just because he at least made them competitive last year. They beat Minnesota in one of the one of the all time great. And I, I shouldn't say that one of the all time great thrillers was when they beat Penn State in whatever overtime it was by the epic <laughs> score. We still couldn't believe our eyes. I, uh, the Bucky cast was at the Wisconsin Purdue game and we were watching the scoreboard. And it's like, man, that Illinois Penn state game just won't end. And then <laughs> Illinois pulled it out. So that's, that's the reason James Franklin gets a lower grade folks. It's because <laughs> Illinois outlasted him, but uh, no, Illinois will, we'll wait and see and hold judgment on that one until then. I think a CC plus is warranted. Moving a little bit northwards to Evanston, Illinois, Pat Fitzgerald, um, probably one of my favorite coaches in the Big Ten. Rob, what what do you give him for a grade? You know what? I, I'm going to have to probably give him an A minus B plus. I think that the sustained performance that Northwestern has had is 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 amazing. Uh, he seems very happy there. He seems like he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He's obviously putting a good product on the field. I think he's a little unimaginative. I think that, like some people complain about Wisconsin, they're kind of a little bit stuck in a rut. And I think that if uh, they could break out of that, we they'd be a little more exciting. But I think Northwestern may be what we consider a little bit of a boring team. And so I, I'm a little down on them uh, because of that. Although you have to you have to reward sustain excellent performance yeah pat fitzgerald for me gets a gets an easy a um it would be an a plus but i have to give part of his grade to the grass at ryan field <laughs> uh because he's and that even is to his credit because i'm pretty sure he's telling the grass don't cut it as short guys leave it a little long <laughs> leave it a little long uh when you can sustain success when you're playing in a high school stadium with virtually no band and a very, very uh, unenthused fan base in general, um, you know, and, and he's actually up there recruiting over the last few years. So yeah. they're especially high this year. Um, I, I can't give enough credit to Pat Fitzgerald. You know, he was given the impossible task and much like uh, James Franklin at Vanderbilt and Jim Harbaugh at Stanford, he's achieved it. You know, he's got a high success rate 
at an academic institution that doesn't traditionally support its athletic programs. So I, I can't give him anything less than an A. He's become a thorn in Wisconsin's side to the point where I don't know why that isn't our Super Bowl now is playing those guys because they are really giving Wisconsin fits, especially in Ryan. At, is it is it Ryan Field yeah. or Evans Field? I can't remember. It's, it's Ryan Field, yeah. Is it Ryan Field? Okay. Sorry, yeah. see, I can't even remember the name of the stadium. <laughs> That's how aggravating that is. Um, okay, moving on. Um, we're going to the West to Iowa City and good old Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes. What do you give uh, – Kirk Ferentz for a grade. So I just talked about sustained performance deserving a big grade. Yeah, I'm going to throw that out the window with him. I'm going to give him a. I'm going to give him a B, B minus. Uh, Iowa has had sustained um, elevated performance. However, uh, I think that Kirk Ferentz sometimes doesn't know what he's doing there. And again, this is another case where his. Uh, his non-related uh, assistant coaches are helping him out. Uh, I think that uh, he lost a little bit of control of his team a couple years ago um, off the field. I think that uh, they they are they do recruit well, but not at the level that they should be. So I think that kind of the same thing that can be said maybe a little bit about Wisconsin, although not not at the same level is that they don't perform the way that they should perform given their history. I think defensively, they're just fine. Uh, Phil Parker, Phil Parker is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country period. Um, Their defensive line and their defensive backs year in, year out, and their linebackers aren't bad either, but their defensive line and defensive backs, they just churn them out constantly. And they are very much, they get a guy and they develop him. And he usually exits as an NFL caliber player by the time his career is done at Iowa. Uh, Offensively, the offensive line usually is pretty solid. Um, In fact, most of the time it's pretty solid. They, they get those corn fed Iowa boys bulked (laughs) up and turn them out really good. But um, you know, they're, they have, they usually have good running backs. Their wide receivers are hit and miss. Their quarterback play is hit and miss. They don't, their offense just underachieves. And Brian Ferentz, uh, Kirk Ferentz's son, I don't know how he keeps his job other than sheer nepotism. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure Kirk Ferentz runs that athletic department much as Barry Alvarez ran it before he, he even became the AD. And yep. Brian Ferentz has been a terrible offensive coordinator for him. I mean, just, did, you know, most offensive coordinators who perform like he has would be fired. Um, guys have been fired for far far better offenses than, than he's produced. And yet he keeps on holding on to his job. So I'm going to give um, Kirk Ferentz a C plus because he could have done way more and just, you know, sheer, um, you know, pig headedness has kept his program from advancing beyond just being a great defensive school. Yeah. All right. So then I'm trying to think if I've missed anybody. Okay, we're going to jet off to the far north and everyone's favorite freaking coach. Uh, we're, in, we're in Minneapolis now with the Golden Gophers and P.J. Fleck. Rob, my, my opinion of P.J. Fleck is, is well known across Badger fandom. 
um, go ahead. We, we did when the Bucky cast first started, we did an entire little listen to episode about how much we hated Minnesota. And so Rob, what, what grade are you going to give him? <laughs> it is going to pain me to give him a C plus. And the reason I'm going to give him a C plus is because the performance on the field of the Minnesota team has elevated from, uh, from when he took over. However, I cannot in good conscience give a better grade to, the clown show that is the coach and coach at Minnesota. It's if I believed and, and maybe I'm wrong, but if I believe that any of what his shtick was, was sincere and honest, maybe I would actually have some respect, but I don't, I feel that it is entirely a show that he puts on uh, to, to drum up the support and to make uh, eyes focus on Minnesota. And so I just can't give a higher grade than that. For a cult leader, I have to give him a grade of a, I have to give him a similar grade of a C plus, almost a B minus, <laughs> because he's a brilliant cult leader. That's true. Uh, he's really good at weaning out the uh, the non believers, winnowing them away, and um, he has just a hardcore. They're almost fanatical. Uh, now that they got that extra year of COVID eligibility, you're going to see tons of players coming back for their sixth year under him. Consequently, you're also going to see tons and tons of players who are like, I have no chance to get past his chosen people um, leaving. And he's, I, he really benefited from that 2017, 2018, those two recruiting classes, which were really good. Um, the 2017 one was composed of a lot of players who he got to decommit from other schools and commit to him, like Mo Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the guys he's lived off of for like five years now. And that 2018 class that had Rashad Bateman and Daniel Falele, um, yeah. those guys have also been really good for him. I'm curious to see what he does after this, because you're seeing him turn more and more to the transfer portal to plug holes in his roster. He's still getting the, he's still getting occasional good players and he's got some good coaches on his staff. Um, Several good coaches. His defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi is, is a very good defensive coordinator. Uh, But I don't know how long he can sustain that success. And I just feel like he's eyeballing and looking around and waiting for the next opportunity to rise up so he can take his own freaking brand of RTB and run it to some other school. Now, granted, yep. I don't know that another school will give him the cult-like power that he has at Minnesota because they were desperate. Folks, they were desperate. They were desperate. And Jerry Kill, I actually I actually didn't. I thought Jerry Kill was, hey, you know, Jerry Kill wins seven to nine games every year. That's pretty solid yeah. for Minnesota. And now, you know, that's all been forgotten. And as far as Minnesota fans are concerned, Jerry Kill is the worst coach ever at Minnesota <laughs> because, you know, he, he's not P.J. Flack. He doesn't wear flood pants, folks. He's not a clown show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, it pains me to say, but you know, he has beaten Wisconsin two out of the last four years, uh, which is really going to reflect on the final grade we give, because we have to return to our own home city now. The Wisconsin Badgers and Paul Crest, Rob, your grade. 
Yeah, you know me, the eternal optimist. I would love to give an A grade, but I can't. I've got to go. I'm going to give him a solid B. He's hit four, 10 wins for four of the seven seasons. But the problem is he's also gotten, I think, eight wins in that same time period. Uh, so um, it's, it's up and down. I, I think that he got unimaginative in his offensive play calling. I think he got stuck in a rut. I don't know if it's because he doesn't trust his quarterback, if it's because the offensive line wasn't performing at a level that it typically does to give the quarterback the time that he needs. Uh, so I think this year is really important in terms of when we're looking at Paul Christ as a, as a head coach to determine which way we're going to go with him. Because right now we can say, yeah, he did well, but he's really underperforming with the defenses that he's had at his disposal over the last three, four years, the uh, defensive coaches he's had uh, at his disposal and his need to hang on to the friends that he has on the staff. So it's, I think what we see this year is going to be really important. We need to see an offensive line that performs at a different level at an old school Wisconsin level and we need to see an offense that allows them to take advantage of short passes that give the quarterback the ability to make those passes quickly and be more decisive in what he's doing. So if we can see that this year, then I think the grade goes up. Um, the other, of course, the other thing that everyone talks about over the last couple of years is the recruiting. I think he's got the person he wants in place at the recruiting level. And I think we're going to hopefully cross our fingers, see us go for more high star players, more athletic players that we need um, to fit into the same system that we have going. I love the atmosphere we have. I love the camaraderie we have. I, I think the base of our defense and the base of our offense is there, but we need to be a lot more imaginative and we need better performance from those two positions. Yeah, the next year is really going to be crucial for Paul Crest. Um, he's, he, feel, and I used to deny this, but I feel like he's become, I, I've come around to this. He's, it feels like he's become a little too comfortable. Um, and I, I don't like that. I don't like that he feels that he's, you know, this is good. I, what I've accomplished is, is good. Uh, I am not in the fire Paul Crest crowd, by the way. Uh, there, are, there are many people who have joined that bandwagon. I'm not one of them. Because quite frankly, I like uh, the floor for Wisconsin being eight wins uh, because that beats the heck out of other floors I've seen for other coaches. Uh, we really don't know how good we have it, but I would like to see more as anyone would. Uh, I'm also, I'm going to give him a B. Um, he's really, he's going to have to pick up the recruiting. Uh, he, I, I, it almost felt like he became uncomfortable getting those really highly rated recruiting classes so I got to tone this down a little bit and I don't know what happened, but um, this is an important year for Paul Christ. Anything less than a, a, a 10 and three record, I think is going to turn the heat up a little bit on his butt because this is a very manageable schedule and Wisconsin needs to show something. They at least have to have a middle of the pack passing offense in the big 10 or otherwise they're really going to be in trouble. Yeah. In all honesty, I would, I happened to get a last minute ticket to the Wisconsin Ohio state big 10 championship game. I was surrounded by Ohio state fans. And when Wisconsin came out of the gate and was leading at halftime, 
thought I, I didn't know how I was going to make it out of the stadium for a second, but we can hang with those teams if we have a good game plan. We have we we could use better athletes, but if we have the game plan, we can do it. And and I think that's the problem is we need to come up with good game plans and consistent game plans and stick to them. I think and as we've also discussed in the past with with Paul Christ, he needs to be able to make adjustments after halftime um, as a head coach to be able to perform better in the second halves of games. So uh, I'm still optimistic, but but we do need to see those changes in the next year or two. All right, and that's our rating of Big Ten coaches. We went a little long there, but you know that's 14 coaches we had to rate. So. You know, everyone's going to have to cut us a little slack. Um, it takes a while to rate all 14 teams. Conferences aren't small anymore. Um, I think we'll skip forward uh, for this week. We don't have Will. Um, he's the driving force behind forward. I would feel a little bit guilty if we went ahead and just, you know, plowed through that. Uh, again, you know, if you want to contact us, look for us on Twitter. We're at the BuckyCast. Or send us an email at thebuckycast43 at gmail.com. Until next time, this is John with Rob. Peace out, people. Until next time. See you.